You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we have Mark Koss, who is a costume assistant for Susan Hilferty who designed costumes for Wicked. He also designed costumes for several shows off-Broadway. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you so much for having me. No problem. Would you like to talk about how you got to where you are in the industry? Sure. So I started, I guess my life in theater started back when I was, I think, a freshman in high school. And uh, there were a bunch of different, you know, side classes you can take other than, you know, English and whatever. and but you had to take one or two classes so there was an acting class and i thought sure that sounds really fun and so i took it and um and i discovered along the way that they that my high school also does um shows throughout the year and i became fascinated with that idea and then you know with 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 producing these shows they also have different like technical jobs that you can do as a student in in our high school and one of them was being on the costume crew and uh and i just kind of blew up with the idea of of what does that mean i have no idea i've always liked clothing i've always been interested in clothing but i never thought that it could be nurtured in any way so uh my sister who did who was in the costume crew i guess the year prior um purely because she needed it on her you know college applications not because she liked it in any way um i asked her what it was about and she told me kind of what they did and i was i was flabbergasted and um thought it could be so cool so i applied for the costume department um costume crew i guess you could say and also got cast in the play uh at the same time, but I was always, I always found myself far more interested in what was happening in the costume department than what was happening on stage. But at the time I had no idea that technical theater, the technical design was a career. You know, you, you grow up watching movies, watching television, anything, and thinking that, that acting is it in entertainment. Uh, And that is the one thing to do. And so um, that's what I thought was the case. But then discovering that there are these other jobs, it was just sort of fantastic to me, Um, which is why I'm so incredibly uh, impressed by you uh, at bringing uh, people in the technical theater into this podcast, not just actors, to show young, young theater people that there are so many other jobs out there other than acting um, that are worthwhile, that are fun, that are beautiful, that can showcase what it is you can do for the arts and also our storytellers, you know? 
So I did this. I was in the costume crew all throughout high school. I went to college at in San Francisco, California, and um, still start kept going as an acting major because I still didn't really get that um, that I could get a, that I could get uh, an education in anything other than acting. Uh, but my first semester there, I uh, I got cast in a play, and uh, it was an 18th century play. And the clothes were all built for us from scratch and so beautiful. And it was so clear to me, I cared so much more about those clothes than I did about what I was doing on stage. So I, I changed my major after my first semester to uh, technical theater design and emphasis in costumes. And fell, you know, my, my, my love affair with clothes started much earlier than that, but this is when I started to discover this is really what I want to do and what I'm good at. And I think... Um, discovering that you can that you can be a part of the storytelling by uh, focusing on the clothes, by being a storyteller with the clothes, was such an, a, a beautiful idea to me, and I just sort of I became obsessed with it. So I I was in the costume shop every second I could. I was terrible in my in my regular you know courses and in, in college, but I did really well in the theater classes, and um, and I graduated, and then I stayed in San Francisco for about two years designing, designing in the Bay Area, and um, also assisting up in Sacramento at a, an incredible theater uh, company called California Musical Theater that produced uh, well I think it's called Broadway Sacramento now. But, um, but that produces California Music Circus during or over the summer in Sacramento, California. And I started out as, an, as a stitcher there, and then I was given the kind offer to be an assistant uh, after the first year by, um, by Scott Clear, who is now the artistic director there. And we created a kind of a great friendship, and he believed that I could have a sort of a career in this job. So he kept wanting to help me in any way I could. So I kept getting a fantastic assistant job through them, but then I, I, I quickly discovered um, designing in the Bay Area and assisting at Music Circus that I just had a lot more I had to learn. And um, so I applied to NYU uh, at the Tisch School of the Arts uh, to get my graduate degree and luckily got in. And in 2010, I moved to New York, went through graduate school, and graduate 2013, and then quickly designing and and assisting, and then associate work um, up until now. So, what do you do as an assistant? So, uh, it could be anything. So, so a costume designer works with the director, uh, the producers, uh, the actors to to understand what it is the clothes need to be for the story. And the assistants and the associates, associates are, are, is kind of the top assistant, and then they have assistants underneath them. They're in charge of basically producing the clothes and, um, and getting them produced however you need to. And it's, it's very different than any other emphasis, whether it be, you know, um, set construction, lighting, oh, excuse me, lighting, sound. It, uh, often a lot of people have no idea how clothes get there you know if with if you're designing a set you you design the set you get it bid out to uh to a scene shop the scene shop builds it brings it to the theater installs it and there we go in costumes you kind of you you create the design you give it off to the to the designer the associate and assistants and then magically in three months it comes back and it's all there 
but no one has any idea how complicated it was to get there. And um, so the assistants and the associate really are there to work with the designer in order to create these clothes. So it could be uh, working with the, the costume shops and how, the, how it really works in our industry, in, in New York specifically, is there are you know a handful of incredible costume shops in Manhattan in Brooklyn, as well as dyer shops, um, uh, painting shops, uh, distressing shops, craft shops, millinery shops uh, that are there. And you go to them, you talked about the designs, and then they, they build the designs for you. And then they have fitting with actors and whatnot. So the assistants have to make sure that the costume shops have everything they need, including fabric, measurements. Um, they have to prepare um, uh, fittings with the actor. So you have to make sure that you have all the underwear there, all the shoes there, all the accessories there for the designer to look at with the, with the, the actor and make decisions. Um, you have to pay attention to the budget. You know, associates really are in charge of creating this budget from the designs and then getting it approved through the general management and the producers. And then that assist associate has to make sure that the show stays in budget. And if there's any financial issues to make sure that the, the um, general management understand that there's that, you know, there's modifications that have to be made. Um, so it's really, if you, if you go look at a show, anything that an actor is wearing is, um, is 100% on the shoulders of all of these, um, you know, obviously the designer and then the associate and assistants. So it's, it's usually six days a week, um, uh, five, if you're lucky, seven is, is standard sometimes, unfortunately, uh, long days of, of just continuously, um, continuously working to make sure that the clothes are going to be there. How much of a decision do you get to make with what the actors are wearing, like where buttons go and stuff like that? As an assistant, you rarely get the opportunity to make any decisions in terms of the design part of it. The designer really, it's their, it's their, it's what's in their head. It's, it's how they want to um create this character with this actor. So most of those decisions really can happen in the fitting between the designer, the actor, and a lot of times the cutter draper who are the people who are making the clothes or the milliner who's making the hat. There's a, an incredible conversation that happens with those group and they get with that group and they get to a point when they say, oh, you know, it's clear. We need that button to be there or let's have these buttons or the actor says, you know, that's buttons really beautiful. And the designer says, oh, I agree. Let's do that. The, the, the decisions come into play with an assistant where let's say a designer says, um, OK, we have a coat that needs a really great button. The button, I think, needs to be brown. It needs to be roughly this size, have some filigree on it. Then the assistant has to go out and the assistant has to just has to has to source through Manhattan and online if they want um, source buttons. And so then you so then this assistant is choosing with all the information given from the designer, choosing. 10 buttons to show or more or less however the many the designer wants to show the designer so you do have a little bit of your 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 weaning out you're a little bit of a of a like a colon not a colander yeah whatever to to basically weeding out the bad options and then to show to the designer so that you're not wasting the designer's time so that is a little bit you do get a little bit of information a little bit of of uh, choosing i guess it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, as I mentioned in your intro, you have designed shows on your own. And I was wondering if you more enjoy designing or assisting. They're totally, totally different. They they use different parts of your brain, I would say. Um, they're both equally challenging in their own ways. Um, assisting is fantastic because you can really learn from a designer. And especially if it's a designer you're working for that you respect and you love their work and they're a good person, a kind person, you can really you can really absorb a lot of incredible information learning from these people who um, who have already learned from somebody else and how already have a wealth of information in their head from their own, their own experience in theater. So I always suggest, you know, I think it's fantastic when people get out of, out of um, their education and go straight into designing, but don't be afraid. Um, and I also, and I urge people to get into assisting because you just, you just really learn on the job. You really learn from other designers, from their, from their successes and their mistakes. And if you can hook up with a really great designer, they will shepherd you and they will make sure that you are there so that you can see um, the decisions being made and why they're being made and then learn from it. Um, as a designer, it's fantastic because it, it, you're just, you're able to stretch this part of your brain that isn't always able to stretch. It's not, it's not the technical side. It's not the, the business side that you're so much worried about. It's the design side of it. It's the, it's the working with actors. That is such an incredible experience. Working with the director, being artistic, uh, and problem solving in a way that you you don't get the chance to problem solve as an assistant. So they're just, they're two very, very different jobs. And I, and I respect and love both of them uh, equally for very, very different reasons. What is the best advice you have been given? Uh, you know, two, I think there's two bits of advice. Both of them were from mentors, professors that I respect, um, in my, I I respect a lot. The first one came from, um, my costume, I don't know what you call her, costume mentor in high school who was in charge of creating all these costumes for our high school prom productions. Uh, Ann Perry is her name. She's a fantastic woman. And she gave so much to us as students. And she saw, you know, my love of this. And she was kind enough to take her time with me. And she um, she said something like, there's no mistakes, just embellishment opportunities. And I thought that was kind of incredible. You know, it's because we're all terrified we're going to make mistakes in this world. We're, we're going to make mistakes in our jobs, in our personal lives, whatever. But you realize that every every wrong choice you make is made for a reason and you're going to learn from them. So um, whether it's you chose the wrong fabric, but you're going to figure out how to make it right or you you whatever. Um, there's a way of, it sort of is a way of looking at it in a positive way rather than just being so bogged down with uh, the bad choices you've made, you know? And then the second one is in graduate school, Lowell Dutweiler, who was our, um, our drawing teacher, drawing professor, um, said to fail boldly to us. And we're all, um, we're all, sorry, my cat is right here. We're all terrified of, of drawing, you know, everyone, because it's such a personal thing, people are just so nervous about showing people their work. And he could tell that in us as students. 
And he just told us that we just need to fail boldly. And across the board, it kind of goes with there's no mistakes, just investment opportunities and fail boldly. You just have to not be afraid to make the wrong choice because then or else that fear is going to it's going to swallow you. Um, So I hold those two things very near and dear to my heart. Do you think education or experience has helped you most to get where you are? Um, You know, uh, both. I think I think experience, experience and, well, I would say education got me into undergrad um, and got me through it. And then experience out of undergrad is what got me into grad school. The work that happened between graduating undergrad and then going to grad school, all of that is what made, is what, is what was interesting to the, um, to the the faculty members at NYU um, because they could see that clearly I'm trying, you know, clearly I'm trying to work this out in the, in the professional world and I still have some stuff to learn. And then, um, but education is what got me to New York. So I will always give that, um, you know, the credit where credit is due. And I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a big um, believer in graduate school. If you want to do it, no, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. But um, for me, it was really important to, to learn from the professors I had, to learn from Susan Hilferty, to learn from Constance Hoffman, um, Maggie Raywood, and Don Fallon, to see, to learn from them, to learn from their experiences, like I said earlier, and work on practical things that didn't have as much weight as doing professional theater. Um, I could make mistakes in, in, in the educational world and still have a little bit of a, of a, of a fallback, you know, still have a little bit of comfort because I was in an educational setting in a professional world. You have a lot, you don't really have a great fallback, you know, um, everyone is just staring at you to, to produce. So the education, the fact that I have NYU on my, on my resume, um, has, has got me into a few doors, which I'm very thankful for. Um, that being said, the, the experience that I got at Music Circus, um, because, uh, because I went to grad school and started getting a graduate degree, Music, music Circus and, and Scott Clear saw that I was, you know, legitimate in this, or at least could be legitimate at a certain place, a certain time. And so he hired me to start designing. And so it's almost like my experience there and my education got me into designing at Music Circus. And then um, right when I graduated and, and finished my education, I got a, I got a great experience working or designing at Paper Mill Playhouse because of the uh, experience I got at Music Circus, which is what which I got because of education. So I know that sounds very confusing, but the reality is they sort of go hand in hand, and um, and I think both of them are incredibly important. And um, if you can do both, I that's that would be my suggestion. My last question is: What are you doing during quarantine? Um, well, so I we, I was working at NYU. Uh, I was an adjunct professor teaching. Um, teaching a class there and my my last day of teaching was actually um the day that new york city shut down and then i quickly jumped on working um with the department and susan hilferty um as being sort of a ta for her uh to help with any online things that needed to happen. So I was doing, I was doing a lot with susan and nyu in education through the end of the semester and then over the summer, I've been working with Susan um, for, with various things, whether it be personal or professional. Um, 
most of the jobs, actually all of the jobs I had in terms of design work or assistant work, of course, um, have been postponed uh, indefinitely. We'll, so we'll see when that happens. So over the summer, I've been um, working with Susan, and then um, I got a cat. So I've been I've been I've been dealing with becoming a cat dad, um, which has been complicated but fun. She's she's a fun person or fun not person. She's a fun living cat, living thing. Um, and I actually just went upstate. I have um, a really good friend who is. Uh, um, who teaches at uh, Colgate University in Hamilton, New York. And uh, she, there was an opportunity to stay up there for about a week. So her and I um, went antique shopping and vintage uh, clothes shopping for a week. And it was fantastic because that's a huge, um, it's a huge love of mine. I, 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 collect, I collect vintage clothing um, and buttons and buckles and fabrics. Um, and I've been doing that for, I don't know, 14 years now. So I have a collection that I use a lot to, um, to look back at, to read, to use as research, to use as educational tools, to physically use like buttons and buckles. You can still use You can still use to make new things. Um, so I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of shopping, which is fantastic. And I found some really cool pieces that I'm so happy to have in my, in my possession. Um, and in, in my kind of stock, and then now I'm working on um, uh, my syllabus for um, for teaching um, for being another adjunct professor at NYU in the fall um, to teach um, to teach a first year costume class, not design, but more on the the technical um, technical aspect of of, uh, of designing. Well, thank you so much for being here. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. No problem. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 